Father God, we come before you today to be in your presence and to worship you and just take time out of our week to, to just be with you. I thank you for your goodness. I thank you for your awesomeness that you're always working in our lives and, and that you take care of us. I just ask you now to fill this place with your spirit this morning. Bless the word and the music in the name of Jesus. Amen. Never before, oh my soul, I'll worship. 
greatest desire then Lord I praise you the rest of my day if I pray it's where you are dwelling if I pray is where you'll stay
apart from the stone that's grown so Resurrect my heart, bring your light back to my heart. Feel the Father's heart and make me whole. Holy Spirit, fall on me, pour out the Father's heart and make me whole. Resurrect my heart, bring your light back to my heart. Feel the Father's heart and make me whole. Spirit fall on me, pour out the oil. Hallelujah. Well, good morning. So we came today with all of our individual problems and struggles and issues all the things that are going on in our lives I just want to encourage you today just lay all that stuff down all the, the worries about tomorrow or next week or next month or what am I going to do or what's going to happen can we just put all that down for a minute actually about an hour and a half's worth of minutes lay it down and let God speak to you today because that's what the Lord wants to do. When we come and worship Him, He wants to speak to each one of us. He wants each one of us to hear His voice so that we will be changed. I want to read you a passage from uh, Psalms 143. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Give ear to my supplications. In your faithfulness, answer me. And in your righteousness. Do not enter into judgment with your servant. For in your sight, no one living is righteous. 
And this is where a lot of us are today. For the enemy has persecuted my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He's made me dwell in darkness like those who have long been dead. And therefore my spirit is overwhelmed within me. My heart within me is distressed. But I remember the days of old. Now I meditate on all your works. I muse on the work of your hands. I spread out my hands to you. And my soul longs for you like a thirsty land. Selah. That means take a pause. Just think about that. I spread out my hands to you. My soul longs for you like a thirsty land. Answer me speedily, O Lord. My spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, lest I be like those who go down into the pit. Cause me to hear your loving kindness this morning. For in you do I trust. Cause me to know the way in which I should walk. For I lift up my soul to you. Deliver me, O Lord, from my enemies. In you I take shelter. Teach me to do your will. For you are my God. Your spirit is good. Lead me in the land of uprightness. Revive me, O Lord, for your name's sake. For your righteousness' sake. Bring my soul out of trouble. And in your mercy, cut off my enemies. Destroy all those who afflict my soul. For I am your servant. So if your heart within you is distressed this morning, if you feel like you've been beat down in Christ, if you don't know the Lord or if you're not walking with the Lord like you know you ought to, today can be the day that all that changes because the Lord wants to, He wants to do something wonderful and miraculous in us today. This is what I want you to do. Pray this prayer. Cause me to hear your loving kindness, Lord. Cause me to hear your loving kindness. Lord, this morning, we want to hear your loving kindness. We choose to worship you, Lord. For the next few minutes, we're going to lift our voices. We're going to lift our hearts. We're going to exalt you because you, Lord, are worthy to be praised. You alone are God. You alone have created the heavens and the earth. You alone created us and you knew us when we were being formed in our mother's wombs. You knew us and you have a plan for our lives, Lord. And today, we want to hear from you, Lord. We want to hear your loving kindness speaking the words that we need to hear today so that we will be refreshed, that our souls will be refreshed, that we'll be revived, O oh God, in your presence. Today, we cry out to you. Hear us, O oh Lord. Revive us. Fill us. Speak to us. Change us. Refresh us. Deliver us in your presence as we worship you. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's worship.
ends of the earth All the angels and the saints sing praise Who is like him, the lion and the lamb See it on our throne Mountains bow down, every ocean Lord of hope, praise night from the rising of the sun till the end of every day, praise night all the nations of the earth, all the angels and the saints sing praise from the rising of the sun till the end of every day, praise night. All the nations of the earth, all the angels and the saints sing
want to see miracles, the impossible. We want to see signs and wonders. We want to see you. We want to see you. We want to see lost come home, sick made whole. We want to see demons tremble. We want to see you. We want to see you. all we need. The power of hell is broken. We are free. You are the one before us, giving us all we need. The power of God is in us. We believe. We want to see miracles, the impossible. We want to see signs and wonders. We want to see you. We want to see you. We want to see lost come home. We want to see demons tremble. We want to see you. We want to see you. Lord, heaven, Lord, in the heavens, come down to us. Conquer the grave, Jesus conquer. 
Let the whole world sing. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Shine your light and let the whole world sing. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save.
as you wait for the crown. Tell the world of the treasure you found. So I believe the Lord is speaking to us today and there are those here today that um, maybe you don't really know the Lord like, like we're singing about, you know, of Him, but you don't really have a personal relationship with Him. This can be your opportunity to come to know Him. And then maybe there's some who you've, you've given your life to Jesus. You made him your savior, but somewhere along the way, you you kind of lost your lost your sense of direction. And the Lord is calling you back home today. And you're sitting there thinking, "Well, I'm not worthy. I've messed up. I'm not good enough." You're thinking the Father's gonna he's gonna reject me. You're afraid of what people will think. I want you to understand that this is what the Father is saying to you. Come home. Come home to me. I'm not going to condemn you. You're thinking I'm not worthy. I'm not, I'm not even worthy to be a slave, much less a child. And the Father is saying, come home. We're going to have a celebration like you've never seen before. I'm going to put the the robe on you. I'm going to put the crown on you. I want to put the ring on your finger. I'm going to put the, the new shoes on your feet. I'm going to take away all of your sin and shame. And I want to heal you and make you whole. And I want you to know that I love you and I will always love you. And there's nothing you can do that would make me not love you. That's what the Father is saying to you right now. If you need to come, come to the altar. You want to pray right where you are. I don't want anybody to be embarrassed. I just want you to, I want you to come to the Lord. He is calling you. Just like he is always calling. We don't hear his voice sometimes because the enemy is shouting in our ears that you're unworthy. He's shouting in your ears, you're never going to change. You're going to be the same old person you've always been. The enemy wants to lie and steal the truth from you, but God is saying, I have a plan for you. I've always had a plan for you. I love you. Just come. You need to be healed physically. The Lord is saying, I am willing. Be healed. We wonder sometimes, is it, is it God's will for me to be sick or is this just the way it's going to be? And I'm telling you, God is saying, I am willing to be healed. So right where you are right now, I just want you, if you have any kind of a need, just raise your hand a little bit. I don't want you to make a big deal of it. Just raise your hand up and we're going to pray a prayer together. That the Lord is going to move, He's going to touch, He's going to heal, He's going to change you. All of your situations and circumstances, God is going to make all things new. So, Lord, we commit this time to you. We commit our lives to you. And we say, Lord, have your way. I'm not asking you just to be my Savior, but I'm giving you my whole life that you could be Lord over all. You could be Lord over my, 
my spirit and my soul. You can be Lord over my past. You can be Lord over today. You can be Lord over my future. You can be Lord over my physical body. You can rule and reign in every way and every place in my life. I give you permission, Lord, to heal me, to deliver me, to set me free, to change me, to wash me in your blood and cleanse me. And Lord, for, for my sin and shame, I lay it before you. I ask that you forgive me and cleanse me. I don't want to be filled with shame and guilt anymore. I want to be filled with the assurance that you love me and nothing I can do will cause you not to love me. That I'm your child and I'll always be your child. Lord, I thank you that your presence is with me. You will never leave me or forsake me. You will go with me even to the very end of the age, Lord. And I thank you that your healing power is working in me right now, restoring me. Your power is restoring the things that are, that are out of alignment with your will in my life, Lord. Your healing virtue is flowing through me right now. I am being healed. I'm being raised up to newness of life. You're healing the wounds in my soul. You're healing the wounds in my physical body. Words that people have spoken over me, Lord. You're, you're healing me, taking those things away. You're forgiving and cleansing. You're changing me, making me new in every way, Lord. I thank you, Lord, that you hear my prayers. The enemy tries to, to crush me bring me down but you want to heal me and lift me up you want to put my feet up on that solid rock out of the muck and the mire and out of all the daily stress you want to let me walk in the fullness of your peace and your glory lord i thank you for that i thank you that you hear my prayer lord you hear my cry and you respond your ears are attentive to my cries and your eyes are watching over me lord and you are going to perform your good word your will in my life. I thank you for that. Thank you for your forgiveness and cleansing. Thank you for your healing, Lord. I believe. Help my unbelief. Cause me to stand strong, Lord. Let me not have little faith, but let me have great faith. Let me have the faith that will believe that you're going to move mountains in my life. That you are moving those mountains in my life. And I speak that over this body now. That we are entering into a time of newness where the Lord is going to begin to move mountains like you've never seen before. We're moving into a season where the Lord is going to begin to change the circumstances of your life. Things you thought would be impossible are going to be possible now. Because the Spirit of the Lord is moving. I proclaim that. I decree that over this body. The people will be saved, changed, healed, delivered, set free. Financial stuff will change in your life. As you begin to follow the Lord, keep your ears tuned in to Him, to His voice. He's going to lead you and guide you. He's going to begin to pour His favor out on your life in every way. Your lost loved ones are going to come to Jesus. Your co-workers are going to come to Jesus. Those people in your lives that need to be healed and delivered, they're going to get healed and delivered because you're going to believe and you're going to proclaim healing and deliverance over people in Jesus' name. I receive that, Lord. I receive it, Lord. I thank you that you hear our prayers, Lord. Thank you that you are good, 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 Lord. Your goodness abounds towards us all the time. Your goodness abounds towards us. I don't ever want to forget that. I want to see you as you are, Lord. I want to see you as a, as a good father that lets your, all of your goodness abound towards me all the time. I thank you, Lord, that you are working in us your perfect will and purpose. Let it be today 
In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Well, you can be seated. Lord bless you. Thank you, guys. Wow, that's good stuff. So, I want you to be encouraged. The Lord, the Lord is moving, and the Lord wants you to trust Him. And as we, as we move forward in this service today, uh, later we're going to do communion. And, uh, and as we do that, I want you to be thinking about that, because even now, I want you to be listening to what the Lord is saying. There are areas of your life that the Lord is wanting to change. There are areas in your life that He is wanting to address. And as we get ready to partake of the communion later, I want you to be in a mind that you've already begun to deal with those things and you've already begun to ask the Lord to reveal those things to you so that you can get everything in order. Because when we do communion together, it's a time when God can move miraculously and change things in your life. That's not just a cracker and a, and a bit of juice that we drink. There is something spiritual that is real that happens when we partake together. And I want you to be prepared in your heart so that when we receive that together, that miracles will happen in your life. Amen. So we're in Colossians 2, verse 13 and 14 is what we're going to talk about today. But um, I'm going to begin uh, reading... Oh, by the way, if you're a visitor and you want us to have your information, you can tear off this card and uh, fill it out and put it in that box back there by Isaac, by the door. And uh, if you've got a prayer request or anything else, you want to tell us uh, you love my preaching or you don't like my preaching or, you know, uh, I, really it's not a complaint box, but, uh, but it's okay. You know, if you tell us... Uh, the sound is too loud or you can't hear or, you know, I mean, we, we pay attention to all that kind of stuff and try to, try to do what we can to accommodate everyone. Can't please everybody. You got some people who are deaf. You got some people who have really good ears. And so it's going to be a little too loud for some, a little too soft for others. We'll do the best we can. Okay. Colossians 2 verse 12. <clears throat> Buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead and you being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh he is made alive together with him having forgiven you all trespasses having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us which was contrary to us and he's taken it out of the way having nailed it to the cross having disarmed principalities and powers he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them in it. In it, that is, in the cross. That's where he defeated all the power of hell. <clears throat> so we're going to back up just a little bit. Uh, in the previous verse, verse 11, it says, uh, In him you were also circumcised with the circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ and being buried with him in baptism. So the flesh, it's not only the physical flesh, your hunk of meat that you are, you know. I mean, we're all, you know, made up of flesh and bone. Some tissue is not all muscle. Though I'm not going to go anywhere like that. But uh, just to say that 
our flesh, is the physical part of us, and it's also, it is, uh, it, figuratively, it is our natural man. It is the part of us that is contrary to the spiritual part of us. It's the old man. Our flesh, so our physical flesh and our, our inner man are both important. If you don't take care of your physical flesh, you're going to be in trouble. And if you don't take care of your inner man, you're going to be in worse trouble. Because the worst thing that can happen to you is not that your body gets sick or dies. The worst thing that can happen to you is that your, your soul goes to hell. So you want to be sure you're taking care of your inner man. You want to take care of that part of you that relates to God. So our flesh, when you read the word flesh in the word of God, uh, a good part of the time it is not referring to your physical body. It's referring to your carnal nature, your fleshly nature, the way you used to be before you were a believer. And we talked about circumcision last week, but just as a refresher, that is... It's a, a pruning or a cutting away uh, of physical flesh for males, but it's also, it refers spiritually to a cutting away of the, the uh, fleshly or carnal nature in your inner man. It's a circumcision of your heart, spiritually speaking. The Lord, when you become a Christian, when you give yourself to the Lord, He begins to cut away, to cut away all that old flesh of your heart and renew your heart so that you begin to think the Word of God. You begin to think spiritually. You begin to act differently because your heart is being changed and made into something new. So circumcision generally in the Word refers to um, not just the act of the physical circumcision but it refers to the spiritual aspect of it and it refers to the nation of Israel a lot of times when they refer to the circumcision sometimes they're talking about the Jews, people who believed in the law because that's where circumcision was instituted. It was, it was a sign of the covenant. God says, you're going to be my people. I'm going to be your God. And here's what's going to happen. You're going to be circumcised on the eighth day if you're a male. And I'm going to be the God who keeps covenant with you. And that is a sign of the covenant. You do that and I do all of my part. It's a pretty good deal, really. Uh, but we are not under the law like that anymore. And so now, circumcision for us is a spiritual circumcision. And Paul even was figuring that out. You know, he began to tell people, he said, don't, you know, however you are, whatever state you're in when you come to the Lord, stay there. You know, if you're a Jew, you can be a Jew. It's okay. If you're not a Jew, don't try to become a Jew. Because it's all about your relationship with Jesus. And so we are not under the law in the sense that we have to be circumcised or we have to obey all of the, uh, the rituals and the, uh, the cleansings and all the things of the, of the law. The Ten Commandments are still applicable. I mean, we're supposed to, you know, not kill still and um, you know, have a, a, adulterous relationships. All, you know, I mean, we're not supposed to covet. We're supposed to honor God. We're supposed to love our parents and obey them. We're supposed to do all those things, honor the Sabbath, keep it holy. You know, there are things that we ought to do, but we're not under the law. And I talked about this last week, but you know, people that are under the law, they've got this written law that they're trying to follow all the time. And a lot of Christians are, are actually living under a list of do's and don'ts. 
Years ago, I heard an interesting story that there were some Pentecostal kids that uh, their church had some activity and the news media came out and they interviewed them and, and they said, well, well, what do you believe? And the kids said, well, we don't believe in dancing, we don't believe in smoking and drinking, and we don't believe in wearing, you know, certain clothing, and we don't believe, you know, and it's like, well, what do you believe? And they, they couldn't even tell them what they really believe. They, instead of saying, we believe that Jesus is Lord and he's living in my heart and he's changed me. And I don't want to do all the bad things that I used to do now because Jesus lives in my heart. They couldn't express it because they were living by a list. A list of do's and don'ts. And I, I think that's one of our problems is that we mentally, we keep a list. And there are some lists that are okay. There are some lists of things that we ought to do, that we ought to, we ought to keep that list. You ought to remember birthdays. You ought to remember anniversaries. You ought to remember, uh, you know, things like that. You ought to remember to uh, honor the Lord and to, and to love one another. But you can get some really bad lists going too. And sometimes we keep a list of, yeah, old Joe, now he, he done me wrong back in 1929 and I know exactly what he did and how he did it and I'm not going to forget it. I got it written in my book. You don't want to keep those kind of lists because those kind of lists, they're going to put you in bondage. You think you're putting them in bondage. You think I'm going to hold them accountable. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make them be accountable. But the problem is you're making yourself be in bondage. The Lord says, vengeance is mine, I will repay. He didn't say, vengeance is yours. And so when you start trying to exact vengeance yourself, you're just putting yourself in bondage. It's like, just, you know, okay, lock me up. Here I am. I think that was what, uh, and what was it, uh, Andy Griffith, there was a guy named Otis that was the town drunk, and every week he'd just come and say, I'm ready for to you know, lock me up, you know. So that's what, uh, that's what you do when you, when you keep a list of other people's flaws or faults or offenses, you're basically just saying, here I am, devil, you can lock me up. Not a good place to be. So I would like to encourage you to, to work off the spiritual list, the list that Jesus says, I'm going to write my law in your heart and I'm going to put it in your minds and you're going to know it. It's just going to be within you and my spirit is going to, is going to work in you. And your conscience is going to be renewed and restored and it's going to begin to think and act and be like, like my word because as you know the word and as the Spirit of the Lord begins to do his work in your life, your conscience will be changed and you won't have the same old conscience that you had when you were growing up when your mom and dad said, don't let them do that to you. If they do that to you, you whoop them. You know, that renewed conscience is going to say, forgive them. It's going to say, let's, let's give them mercy. Let's give them a break. So that's the, way the, that's the way the Lord works. Our old man wants to do, he wants to do the bad things. He wants to operate in those lists. But the new man wants to operate in that spiritual list that's written in our heart and in our minds. So we are buried together with Christ and that means that um, we are not alone 
and that we have experienced, spiritually, we've experienced some of the same things that Jesus experienced, and he is living in us, and we are in him. We're buried with him, and that happens symbolically when we're baptized in water, but it also it happens on a daily basis, hopefully, as we, as we choose to die to ourself, we choose to lay our lives down. Paul talked about it. He said, crucify your flesh. And he said, I die daily. Every day we have a choice. You can either do the things that your body and your mind are telling you to do or you can do the things that you ought to do that the Lord is telling you to do. There's a, there's a battle going on all the time. And uh, our flesh, our, our fleshly appetites, you know, we've got... Uh, normal, natural things. We, we're hungry, we're thirsty, we're sleepy. Uh, sometimes we're bored, sometimes we're tired, sometimes we're excited. Those are fleshly things that are normal and natural. But even those things we need to keep in control. They need to be, they don't need to be ruling and reigning in our lives. They need to be brought into subjection so that they are subject to us and to the Lord. Because if you have fleshly appetites that are out of control, you're going to get in trouble. You're, you're going to eat the wrong things or too much of the right things or whatever. You're going to not sleep enough. You're going to sleep too much. You're going to not exercise. You're going to, you know, you can go on and on and on. All those fleshly appetites, um, you know, sexual appetites. That, there's nothing wrong with a sexual appetite. It just needs to be controlled. It needs to be within marriage and it needs to be controlled. If you're, if you're outside of that and you're allowing your fleshly sexual appetite to control you instead of you control it, you're going to get in trouble. It's just going to be a problem in your life. Everything needs to be in order. God is a God of order. And everything that he has done, everything he showed us throughout all of history in the word of God, it is all about God being a God of order. And we need to see that. And our lives ought to be in order as well. If your life is not in order then I would suggest you need to be asking the Lord to work something in you so that you can begin to bring your life into order so that it lines up with God's will and purposes. God is a God of order. He's not a God of chaos. You know, he didn't leave the earth created with a bunch of water and darkness over it. That was chaos, but he created it to have order. And everything that he created has order. Everything reproduces in an orderly fashion, reproduces itself like kind. And that's really important to understand because nowadays they're telling us all these things that supposedly scientists and different ones say and they're trying to change all of that to make you think that you can just be anything you want to be or do anything you want to do and it's all okay because you're just who you are or who you want to be. And that's a lie. There is an order. There's a creative order. We were created, male and female. That's who you are. Sorry if, you know, not my words, that's God's word. And he said, um, a man shall leave his father and mother and cleave unto his wife and they will become one flesh. That's the creative order. It's not, it's not all this other stuff that we hear now. There is a way that seems right to a man, but the end is destruction and death. But there's a way 
that if you will follow the Lord, there's a way that will lead you to life everlasting. The, word, the words of Jesus, they are the words of life. The words of the world, it's just death. It's destruction. It's lies, deception. That's what the devil's always done, and that's what he's going to continue to do. Our job as believers is to, is to hear God's voice and obey him. That's all he's ever asked us to do. That's what, he, that's what he asked Adam and Eve to do. That's what he told Noah to do. That's what he told Abram to do. That's what he told Moses and the children of Israel to do. It, it's, you can go through every character in the Bible who was godly or had any intentions or aspirations to be godly. And it's the same thing. Hear my voice and obey. And Jesus came and he said, look, I'm just coming to serve you, to give myself a ransom for many. And the offer is here. All who are weary and heavy laden, come, I'll give you rest. You'll find rest to your souls. Just come. All. It's the same offer. Just hear and obey. It's real simple. There's not, there's not a list of do's and don'ts that we need to go by. It's just a list of, here I am. I give myself to you. Take me. And change me, use me, make me the person that you want me to be. So we're buried with Christ. And water baptism is an outward display of that. And that uh, it is a, uh, it's a dipping into water as a ceremonial cleansing. You know, the old covenant, all the, uh, the washings and cleansings they did. They, when John the Baptist came, you know, that was not something new. The idea of being baptized or being cleansed ceremonially, that was not something new. Everybody understood the concept of being sanctified by cleansing yourself. And they also should have understood that it was an outward sign only. It wasn't meant to save them. It was just something you do to show that God is cleaning you up spiritually, just like you are cleansing your hands and doing those things uh, physically. So your water baptism experience is an opportunity for you to symbolically be buried with Christ. When you go into the water, you're being buried with him. You come out of the water, you're being raised with him. And you're not staying the same person you were. You were buried as the old man. You come out as the new man. That's what water baptism symbolizes. And there is something that happens in the spiritual realm, I believe, when we, when we are baptized in water. So all across the globe, there are cultures that um, they are contrary to Christianity. And people that are Christians, they get persecuted. But the real persecution begins when someone is baptized in water. Muslims, Islamic folks, uh, one of their children will will say, I want to I want to be a Christian. And of course the you know the families don't like that, they don't approve of it. But man, if that person goes and gets water baptized, I mean at that point it's like, okay, that's it. We're cutting you off. You're not part of our family. You're dead to us. We don't want anything to do with you anymore. And it there is something that happens in the spiritual realm. The devil does not like it when we when we are Becoming one with Christ in his death, burial, and resurrection. Because that's where we begin to understand what he's done, who he is, who he wants to be in our lives. And when we begin to know that spiritually, the devil is afraid of that. 
Because we, now we have power. Now we are able to do things in the spiritual realm that we couldn't do before. Because if you don't know who Jesus is, if you don't know that he, he died and was buried and rose again, and that you are a participant in that, then you're not going to be very effective in the kingdom. There's power. There's power to be had by us coming into agreement with the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord. And we just talk about the resurrection on Easter a lot of times, but man, the power of the resurrection is awesome. It is, it's what brings everything alive in our lives. That same power, that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, it resides in us. And when it resides in us, it causes us to come alive spiritually. It causes us to come alive physically, naturally and physically. Our bodies are rejuvenated. We are, we are made alive in Christ. And something happens when we begin to realize the truth of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord. Something happens. And we need to understand that baptism is a significant event that uh, everybody who is a believer ought to be baptized in water. I'm not saying it's part of your salvation. I'm just saying it's something you ought to do. Jesus commanded that. He said, go into all the world, preach the gospel, and baptize in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I mean, it's part of the Great Commission to go and baptize people. They're supposed to be, we should all be water baptized. So if you're an adult and you, you're walking with the Lord, but you've never been baptized in water, um, you probably ought to be thinking about that. If you're a young person, and you've, you've given your life to the Lord, but you've never been baptized in water. Or, maybe, uh, you were baptized once and you didn't even know what it was all about, and now that you're a little more mature and you're walking with the Lord, you're, you're realizing you did it a little prematurely. If you, want to, if you want to talk about that, I'd be happy to talk to you. But we're going to be having a water baptism uh, sometime in the near future. I don't know how we're going to do it. We may put a stock tank out here and do it in the parking lot. Uh, but anyway... Uh, it's going to be good. So we are buried with him in baptism. And we're also raised with him. Raised. We are raised with him. That means that we wake up together. It's almost like uh, a bunch of us are buried together. And then we are all raised up together. Like you're all laying down sleeping and then someone comes in and turns the light on. Everybody, everybody jumps up at once. We're all raised together. Raised together with him. And I want to be raised. I don't want to be hanging out with the dead things. I don't want to be in the grave. I don't want to stay where the dead things are. I want to be alive. And I want you guys to be alive too. We are raised together. We ought to all be walking together in a unity of the Spirit. And we ought to be able to love one another. We ought to be able to talk to one another about uh, things that are going on in our lives. We ought to be able to encourage one another. There is, a, there is a unity that is missing in the body of Christ these days because there's so many different um, things that people teach and disagree about. But yet, we need to get focused on the things that we do agree about. We ought to agree on the basic stuff. The basic things are that Jesus was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He gave himself in our place, paid our debt, so to speak, on the cross. And he was buried, and three days later he rose again. 
And now he sits at the right hand of the Father. And he said, I'm not going to leave you alone, but I'm going to send my spirit to be your comforter to you. He's going to teach you and guide you and lead you into all truth. And that baptism, that power in the spirit, is how we are to live our lives and how we are to accomplish the task that he gave us to, to fulfill. So we are raised by faith, which is a, it's a trust, it's a strong confidence and reliance upon someone or something. And it's the working of God. The working of God is a superhuman power. It's an operation or a process or a manner of functioning. Superhuman power. So it's not something that you yourself do. It is something that God does. So you are not raised in your own strength. You're not raised by, by some uh, technical skill that you've learned or by some um, function of your physical body or some function of your intellect. It is the working of God as a supernatural power. You are raised from the dead supernaturally. So you were dead in your trespasses and sins, but now you've been raised to life. And that's a superpower. It's a supernatural power that the Lord does. It's the working of God that raises you from the dead. So the dead, it's real simple. Those are people who are no longer living. And if you've watched all those zombie movies, you know, you might think of the dead as something else, but the dead are the people that are no longer living. And we are not to be dead anymore. We are to be alive. So the, the believers are raised with Christ because Christ didn't stay in the grave, and we don't stay in the grave. We are raised to newness of life. And so we were dead, but now we're alive. And he says then in verse 13, You being dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he is made alive together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. So you were raised from the dead. And then he goes on and he says it again. You being dead in your trespasses. Being dead. That's a spiritual death. He's not talking about your physical body here. He's talking about your spiritual life. It's characterized by a lack of spiritual life or vigor, being completely indifferent toward the things of God. That's what happens when you're dead spiritually. You don't have an inclination towards the things of God. You don't have any vigor or vitality spiritually. You're just dead. Dead. You don't have any interest in the things of God. And you were all that way. You were all dead in your trespasses until you came to know Jesus. And if you haven't given your life to Jesus, you're still dead. And maybe you're sitting there and you're thinking, well, I don't really care anything about all this stuff he's talking about. That's what I'm talking about. You don't have any inclination towards the things of God because you're dead in your trespasses. But you don't need to be that way. You don't have to stay that way. You don't have to be dead in your trespasses. You can be made alive. You don't want to be dead spiritually, just like you don't want to be dead physically. And your trespasses, that is the action of going beyond or overstepping some moral boundary or limit. It's a side slip or a lapse. A side slip or a lapse or deviation from the truth and uprightness. I don't know what a side slip is, but, uh, but every now and then when I'm walking outside doing stuff with the animals and it's muddy, 
I get I get kind of a side slip, you know, you know, you slip in some mud, and it doesn't feel very good. And I'm careful not to fall completely down usually, but uh, I have in ice, you know, I have had some pretty good side slips. Eddie had a side slip. Yeah, it can happen. So when you know the problem is um, when you slip or you go beyond a boundary or a limit then you got to get back in control. You got to get back to where you started out. Um, the slipping, the slipping is, uh, is not what you want. But it's, sometimes it's unavoidable that you slip. It just happens. But the key is that you don't stay on the side slip you get back into the right lane, uh, you get back into the right path, you get your feet back up on something solid, you get back to where you're walking correctly again, instead of, instead of walking on a walker, you know, you're walking on your two legs like you're supposed to. Your trespasses, it doesn't, it doesn't cause you to lose your salvation, it just, it just causes you to lose your footing. It causes you to lose it lose your stability. It causes you to lose some of your um, your place in the spiritual realm. Because we're think about this: you're you're walking with the Lord. Maybe you've been walking with the Lord for five years, or fifteen years, or fifty years. So you're walking with the Lord, and you're going along. Everything's hunky dory, and you're walking up a little bit of a hill, and you get over the slick spot. And what happens when you get on the slick spot? You start, you start slipping, losing your grip. So you've, you've lost a little bit of the ground that you had previously occupied. That's a side slip or a backslide is what, uh, is what the Bible refers to it as. We don't want to be backsliding. We want to be, we want to be moving forward. I wouldn't call it uh, front sliding, but we want to be moving forward. The opposite of backsliding. And when you backslide, it just means you've lost some ground. You've lost some, some, of the, some of the thing that you have accomplished, you've lost it. And that's not a good place to be. And so that's the reason that we have the teaching from the Lord about uh, come and present yourself to him and repent, confess your sins. You know, 1 John says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's, that's what we do. When you have a side slip, when you get out of the boundaries a little bit, you get out of your lane a little bit, someone honks at you, you know, the Holy Spirit will honk at you when you get out of your lane. Then you get back into your lane, you say, sorry, you know, sorry, I didn't mean to do that. That's the way we ask the Lord, you know, sorry, I recognize, I got, I got out, of, out of alignment, I want to get back right with you, I don't want to be, I don't want to be off the path. I don't want to lose ground. I want to keep moving forward. That's what the Lord wants for us. He wants us to move forward all the time. So you were dead in your trespasses, the uncircumcision of your flesh. And this is, uncircumcision of your flesh is referring to uh, a lacking of any removal of sinful flesh. It is the, it is the spiritual equivalent of being uncircumcised physically, but it's, what it is, is your heart still has areas that you've not trimmed away the old flesh. And you've got a spiritual lack 
because you've got the old man that's still trying to hang on and there are things that you've you've allowed to stay that you need to trim away you need to begin to trim away and that's a process that is a, it's a joint process between you and the Lord the Holy Spirit will reveal things to you and he will bring bring conviction into your life and show you areas that need to be changed things that he wants to to rearrange or reprioritize give you a different perspective about it and then you have to take the initiative and say okay yes I see that I acknowledge that and so I confess I repent I lay that down and I'm going to ask you to help me change that we participate with the Lord I say this all the time and it's worth repeating I guess is that God doesn't just zap you and change you I mean we're, we are part of the process if you want if you want your old flesh to be trimmed away you need to submit yourself to that process and you need to be part of it and you need to say here I am Lord cut away here I am show me where to cut if I'm supposed to do the cutting show me if you're going to do the cutting then here I am go for it that's the way that's the way we participate we submit ourselves to him and when we do that then he can do the things that he wants to do and he's doing it for our good he's doing it so that we will be molded and made into the image of the Son and when we're made into the image of the Son then we're gonna walk in all the fullness and favor and blessing of the Lord which makes our lives full and abundant it's the spiritual equivalent to possessing the promised land going into that land of milk and honey that's what we want that's what we all want we want to be happy we want to be joyful we want to be blessed we want to be prospering in our physical lives in our spiritual lives in our relationships you know finances everything we want to be we want to be blessed and prospered part of that is just co cooperating with the Holy Spirit because he has this plan the Lord has this plan for all of us but if we don't cooperate with him then we're we're just trying to do it all in our own strength and it's like just you know if I want to go outside I could run over and ram my head through that block wall but I probably wouldn't make it it'd be a lot easier just to go over there and go out the door there's already a door the Lord has already made a way for us to to do this and it's not in our own strength and our own flesh it is in the way that he has provided matter of fact he even says I am the door and I am the way now you can try to ram your head through and make your own door but why not just use the door that he's already provided some of you are hard-headed enough you might could do it I don't know but I know this I want to I want to be submitted to the Lord I want to be available for him to talk to for him to to bring correction and change into my life I want to be I want to be submissive and so when the Lord says would you do this I don't want to have to think about it for a long time I want to say yes will you go yes here I am send me will you do this yes here I am will you allow me to change you yes here I am will you allow me to show myself strong in your behalf 
Will you allow me to take away your guilt and shame? Yes. Will you allow me to heal you? Yes. We have to just cooperate with the Lord. He's got so many wonderful things he wants to do in our lives, but we, we have to cooperate. He doesn't force himself on us. He invites us. He doesn't drag us. He invites us. He says, all who are weary, come. He doesn't go, you know, grab you and drag you along. He gives an invitation. That's the way it's always been. Now, he doesn't just give up on you. He will keep asking and keep inviting, but he's not going to force you. That's not the nature of God. He is kind and gentle, and he is so loving that he doesn't ever give up on you, but he doesn't force you. So he's made us alive together. That's to make someone alive supernaturally along with another or others. He's made us alive together. So spiritually speaking, we are, we are individuals and yet we are a body. Jointly, we are all fit together. We make, we make one big body, the body of Christ. And so we are all raised together, made alive together in Christ. We're not just individuals that are alive, but we are alive together. And that life, it is a joint life. And so, in one sense, I can't be who I'm supposed to be unless you're being who you're supposed to be. And you can't be who you're supposed to be unless I'm being who I'm supposed to be. And so we are alive together. We are jointly made alive. We are jointly operating in the Spirit. We are jointly becoming individually and corporately the people that God wants us to be. And so, we as a body... And you as individuals, each one of you, I believe that we are entering into a new, a new season, a new chapter, a new time where God is going to do some things differently. Some things that used to be really hard are going to get amazingly easy. And some things that used to be impossible are now going to become possible. Some things that we used to look at and say, well, I can't do that. We're going to look and say, I'll, I'll try that. Some things that that were challenging for us are going to become a lot less challenging. And it's going to be because we are operating in the Spirit and we're doing it together, jointly, and we're not fighting amongst each other, but we're moving together because we are raised together and we're going to live together and we're going to function together as a body. God is going to do great and mighty things. It's His promise. It's not me. It's God's promise. I'm just telling you what, what he says. He's made us alive together. He's having forgiven all our trespasses. Having forgiven. That means to give graciously. To give something as a sign of one's beneficent goodwill towards someone. It's a pardon. He's forgiven us. And he didn't just forgive us a little bit. He's forgiven us all, all, all of our trespasses. Forgiveness is a, it's an amazing thing. The forgiveness of the Lord is, is beyond our comprehension, and yet he wants us to, to try to understand it because he's given us descriptions about it. 
He said, as far as the east is the, from the west, that's how far I've removed your sins from you. He wants us to be able to see that his forgiveness is, it is so incredible and awesome that we can't really completely fathom it in our little finite minds, and yet he wants us to have a way to see how awesome it is, as far as the east is from the west. That's an infinite type of a understanding of his forgiveness. And he also, he says, I want you to, to understand this. He said, I don't remember your sins. I choose to, to not remember your sins. It didn't say that he's, he's forgotten them. It just says he's choosing not to remember them anymore. That's pretty incredible to think about that God is saying, I have chosen to not remember your sins anymore. And what he is saying to us is that we need to be that same way. When people do things that hurt us and offend us, we need to choose to not remember those sins. We need to choose not to remember those offenses. We can remember them. And we can argue, you know, I'm, well, I've got a right to be mad at them. They did me wrong. Well, that's probably true. You do have a right. But if you choose to exercise that right, then you're going to also exercise the right to be miserable and in bondage. But if you choose to not remember those sins then you're going to be free. And instead of being miserable and in bondage, you're going to be free and you're going to be happy because you're not going to be walking around always bitter and angry and remembering other people's flaws and problems. I'm so glad the Lord doesn't do that. So all your trespasses, that's all of your estrangement from God. And I think that's pretty significant. It says it all. Your estrangement from God. All the little side slips. All the backslidings. All the, all the going over the boundaries. All the getting out of your lanes. All of those things. Not just some of them, but all of them. He's forgiven all of them. When he died on the cross, it didn't just take care of the sins in the past, but it takes care of the sins in the future. It takes care of all of them. That provision is for all of our sins. And, and we just need to, to regularly confess that we mess up. You don't have to be asking forgiveness all the time. Just, just confess. You know, I messed up, Lord. I got out of my lane a little bit. I got, I got out of my line. I got across the boundary. I had a slip. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Worship team, y'all can come back. So, we are buried with him in baptism. We are buried with him, spiritually speaking. We are risen together. We are made alive together. And we are forgiven all of our trespasses. And I just want to encourage you. As, you. as you're getting ready to partake of the elements here, of the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, I want to encourage you to think about that, that the Lord is, is forgiving. And sometimes we want to remember. Would you, would you allow God to help you not remember? Would you allow God to forgive you completely and you accept his forgiveness and not keep bringing up 
your past and not keep trying to dwell on, on the things of the past. It's not, it's not for you. If you're a believer, you're supposed to just trust in His forgiveness. It is thorough and complete. It's, it is a one-time deal and an ongoing deal. It is there. It is provided. It's done. We don't have to keep going back and saying, man, I'm so sorry I did that, you know, 100 years ago. I'm so sorry I did wrong way back there. You know, I wish I could undo that. You can't undo it. Give it up. Lay it down. Accept his forgiveness. It's enough. He's big enough. He paid the price. And it's enough. So as we, as we sing and worship, I'm going to invite you to come and uh, get your elements taken back to your seats. Your visitors are welcome. We practice an open communion here. If you're a believer, then uh, partake with us. And so come get your stuff and go back and then we'll partake together here in a minute. Let's stand and worship. Oh, 
So Jesus, on the night that he was crucified, he shared in a meal with the disciples and he said that this bread is my flesh, my body, which is given and broken for you as part of the new covenant. So I, I want to encourage you as we partake today Whatever you may need from the Lord, that you just say, Lord, I am believing that your body, the sacrifice you made on the cross, the death that you bore for me, provides all that I need in this life. We bless this and we break it and we receive it now in Jesus' name. In the same manner, he took the cup and he said, this cup is, the, is my blood and it is the blood of the new covenant. It is shed for you for the remission of sins and for everything that needs to be made alive. Everything that needs to be made new in your lives. There is no life except for the blood. The blood brings life. So Lord, we receive life today. We receive life today through your blood. Your life-giving blood that was shed for us. We have partaken of it as uh, your people. We have been buried with you. We've been raised together with you. And we are living in you. And we are going to live in the power of your blood. From this day forward, Lord, we receive all that your blood represents. The life of the flesh is in the blood. And we receive that now in Jesus' name. Partake together. Hallelujah.
just be still and know I am. I'm with you. For you will never see In my arms You'll be alright I'll hold you up So you can breathe So you can breathe again I am the great I am all things move at my command I am the great I am Just be still and know I am When you think that life is so unfair Your hope is gone When all you have is just that whispered prayer Lean on me when you can't hold on I am the grace I am things move at my command I am the great I am just be still and know I am just be still and know I am Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace. Go and be blessed. If you would like special prayer or you want to talk to someone, uh, there'll be someone to meet you at the altar. Otherwise, have a great day. Have a great week. We'll see you next week. God bless you. Have a great time.